When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tents. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, it's time to hit on another one of my fave topics that we've covered eh, probably a few times over the years, but it's one that's kind of new and still exciting to a lot of us and perhaps clouded at times with a lot of, I don't know, misinformation or just misunderstanding. Not that there's a lot of people talking about this stuff, but when you bring up the idea, all kinds of stuff comes into play. We're talking about botanically supplemented substrates or evolved substrates or enriched substrates, whatever you want to call them. Now, for far too long in the aquarium hobby, I think that we've treated aquarium substrates as simply an afterthought. I mean, there's all sorts of sands and gravels on the market today, and it's amazing. There's a lot of great substrates out there. But I think that we sort of take them for granted, or at the very least, we treat them as a requirement when setting up a tank and we just sort of tick a box off and move on to other more exciting stuff, you know, like sand added, check, time to select the wood, that sort of thing. It's kind of a reflexive thing with a lot of hobbyists. One of the most liberating things that we've seen in the Botanical Method Aquarium niche is our practice of utilizing the bottom itself to become a feature aesthetic point or focal point in our aquariums, as well as a functional mechanism for the inhabitants. So yes, it has a look to it, but it also has a function, and that's really where we play. And I know, oh shit, he's talking about that functional aesthetic thing again, isn't he? Well, yes, yes I am. <laughs> so I, it's because I think there are a lot of missed opportunities to do something really cool with substrates in our tanks. Opportunities to make it a much more important part of the aquarium. When you look at it from our rather biased perspective and from a strictly aesthetic sense, the bottom itself becomes a big part of the aesthetic appeal of the aquarium. You may not focus on it observationally, but it's hugely important. And of course, I see the bottom of the aquarium as more than just sand or whatever. Rather, it's an important component of the aquarium habitat with the botanical materials placed upon or mixed into the substrate, or in some cases, becoming the entire substrate. These materials form an attractive, sort of texturally varied microscape of their own, and they create color and interest. And in addition to being comprised of the usual sands and gravels, we can add bits of botanicals, root pieces, twigs, leaves, sediments, etc., into the mix. Now, why? Well, let's go back to this for a second. I, I, the focus isn't just on aesthetics. It's about creating a habitat for the fauna which help run or operate our tanks. Now, much like in nature, the materials that we place on the bottom of the aquarium will become an active, integral part of the ecosystem. From a functional standpoint, uh, standpoint bottoms uh, comprised of, you know, uh, of materials uh, like botanicals and so forth, sort of form uh, a in-tank refugium, if you will. You know, if you're familiar with refugiums uh, from marine work, or, or maybe you haven't, just look it up. But it's a place, basically, that which allows small aquatic crustaceans, in our case fungi, and other microorganisms to multiply 
and also provides supplemental food for the aquarium. We've touched on this concept before. So the idea of creating a rich, diverse, botanical-influenced substrate for the purpose of infusing you know, tannins, humic substances, and other compounds, as well as creating a matrix for the growth and propagation of beneficial micro and macrofauna is pretty appealing to me. Using a botanical-infused substrate to create a unique, ecologically diverse, functional, and aesthetically pleasing uh, you know, effect on the aquarium, even one that doesn't have aquarium plants in it, is a sort of a different approach. Functionally, interest, or functionality, you get interest, you get aesthetics, and you get stability as a result. All these things come from doing something a little different. Now, nature provides no shortage of features which can provide inspiration for really unique aquariums, or in our case, unique substrates. Think about the materials which accumulate on and in the substrates of natural aquatic habitats and why they accumulate in the first place. Well, typically, in addition to soils and leaves, you'll see accumulations of sediments, pieces of plant roots, bits of twigs and bark, and even the occasional seed pod. Almost all this material arrives in these bodies of water from the surrounding terrestrial environment. Sort of a familiar theme in our world, isn't it? Now, some of it's present on forest floors, and when nearby streams overflow, inundating the once dry forest floor, these materials become part of the aquatic environment, influencing both the structure and the ecology of the habitat. Other materials, like sediments, are the product of hydrology and erosion. Rocks, you know, ground down over eons by water, or soils, which find their way into streams during periods of intense rain, with the resulting material distributed over vast distances by current. The beauty of nature is that she uses pretty much everything that's thrown at her. Fishes and other organisms feed directly upon some of this material or on the other life forms, like small crustaceans, insects, fungal growth, which live among it. The bottom of streams and other aquatic habitats becomes a vibrant, ecologically diverse little ecosystem, which appears to be supportive of a tremendous amounts of life at all kinds of levels. And that's what's so amazing. And we just throw a bag of sand or gravel on the bottom of our tanks and then we move on. Kind of weird, right? Shit, really? Yeah, that's what we do. Like, what the fuck is the matter with us fish geeks? This is a huge opportunity here. We need to give a lot more thought to what goes on in the bottom of our aquariums. Instead of becoming a literal placeholder in our tanks, substrate should become the ecological backbone and a functionally aesthetic foundation of our miniature aquatic ecosystems, just like it is in nature. Now, the first pushback we hear from critics of this type of approach, you know, throwing stuff into the substrate in aquariums, is that it will result in all sorts of problems, ranging from suppressed pH to high levels of nitrates or even pockets of hydrogen sulfide and other nasty stuff accumulating unchecked. I think that this is an incredible overreaction and grounded in not fully thinking through why we're creating this stuff in the first place. In nature, the leaf litter community of fishes, insects, fungi, and microorganisms is really important to the overall tropical environment as it assimilates terrestrial material into the blackwater ecosystem and by doing this acts to reduce the loss of nutrients to the forest which would inevitably occur if all of the material which fell into rivers was simply washed downstream. The key point, these materials foster the development of life forms which process said materials. So stuff, and I use that word term loosely, stuff is being used by life forms. It's the same in our aquariums. And bits of the botanicals and botanical materials and stuff like that 
not only provide a physical substrate upon which these organisms can grow and multiply as they process it, they provide a sort of onboard nutrient processing center within the aquarium itself. If you approach this substrate enrichment idea, I don't know, holistically, rather than just from some warped aesthetic mindset, creating and managing such a system is not all that difficult. In fact, you don't really need to give it all that much thought in a well-managed aquarium once it's set up. Now, I realize that experimenting with these unusual substrates requires not only a sense of adventure, a direction, and some discipline, but a willingness to accept and deal with an entirely different aesthetic than what we know and love. And this also includes pushing into areas and ideas which might make us uncomfortable, not just for the way they look, but for what we're told might be possible risks. Now, one of the things that many hobbyists ponder when contemplating creating you know, deeper or botanical heavy substrates consisting of leaves, sediment, bark, and all that other stuff is the buildup of hydrogen sulfide, CO2, or other undesirable compounds within the substrate, as we mentioned previously. Well, sure, I can't entirely diss fellow hobbyists for having this fear. It does make sense that if you have a large amount of decomposing material in an aquarium, then some of these compounds are likely to accumulate in heavily active substrates, right? The big boogeyman that we all seem to zero in on in our sum of all fears scenarios, the one which keyboard warriors on the forums will pounce on, is an accumulation of deadly hydrogen sulfide, which results from bacterial breakdown of organic matter in the absence of total oxygen. Let's just think about that for a second. It sounds horrible, right? In a botanical bed with materials placed on the substrate or loosely mixed into the top layers, will it all really pack down enough to the point where there's complete lack of oxygen and we develop a significant amount of this you know, reviled compound in our tanks? Are we managing tanks in such a way as to encourage no circulation whatsoever down there? I think that we're more likely to see some oxygen in this layer of materials, and in fact, I can't help but speculate, and it is just speculation, that actual denitrification, nitrate reduction, which lowers nitrates while producing free nitrogen, might actually be able to occur in a deep bed of botanicals and so forth. And it's certainly possible to have denitrification without dangerous hydrogen sulfide levels, as long as even a small amount of oxygen and nitrates you know, can penetrate into the substrate, this isn't going to be an issue for most systems. I've yet to see a botanical method aquarium where the material has become so compacted as to have no circulation whatsoever, you know, within the, the aquarium, it's a, it's a, or the botanical layer for that matter. I just haven't seen it. Now, sure, I'm not a scientist, and I base this on close visual inspection of numerous aquariums and basic aquarium standard chemical tests I've run on my systems under a variety of circumstances. Now, as one who's made it a point to keep my botanical method aquarium in operation for very extended time frames, I think this is significant. The bad side effects that we're talking about here should manifest over these longer time frames, and they just haven't. Yeah, in my experience, based on literally a lifetime of playing with all sorts of combinations of materials in dozens and dozens of my aquarium substrates, because I've always been into this stuff, I cannot attribute a single environmental lapse, let alone a tank crash, whatever the hell that is, as a result of this procedure. A well-managed substrate in which uneaten food and fish feces are not allowed to accumulate in excess and in which regular nutrient export processes are embraced rather than decimated by constant interference, i.e. siphoning, it's not an issue in that. 
When other good practices of aquarium husbandry, i.e. not overcrowding, not overfeeding, etc., are employed, a botanically enriched substrate can enhance, not inhibit, the nutrient processing within your aquarium and help maintain high water quality for extended periods of time. I believe this based on my experience. Like many of you, I've always been a firm believer in some form of nutrient you know, export being employed in every single tank I maintain. Typically, it's a regular water exchange. Not when or if I think about it, but or you know, periodically or whatever, but it's weekly. Small amounts weekly. Now look, I'm not saying that you can essentially disobey all common sense husbandry practices that we've come to know and love in the hobby, like you know, overcrowding or overfeeding or whatever, and just change the water weekly and everything's cool. And I'm not suggesting that the only way to succeed with adding botanical materials to the substrate is to employ massive effort at nutrient export. The system otherwise teetering on a knife's edge with disaster on one side and success on the other. It's not that binary. Our aquariums are more resilient than that if we set them up to be. Common sense aquarium management with an eye towards how natural aquatic systems work is key in my opinion. Of course, an aquarium is not a stream or a river or whatever. However, the same processes and rules imposed by nature that govern the function of these wild ecosystems apply to our little glass and acrylic boxes. It's simply a matter of nuance and management and understanding how these wild habitats work on a basic level. I'd love to keep us in that sort of mindset of thinking about our aquariums as little microcosms, not just aquatic dioramas. Think about this. The idea of a substrate enriched with botanical materials and is just completely in line with the practices of a dirted planted aquarium, for example. In our case, not only will there be an abundance of material for microorganisms and crustaceans to forage and multiply among, trace elements and essential plant nutrients will probably be present in such a substrate as well. And of course, you know, there will be the constant addition of tannins and humic substances into the water, which provide many known benefits for fishes as well. It's kind of the best of both worlds, I think. Again, it's not about creating a cool Instagram-ready you know, look for your tank. It's about trying to create an entire aquatic ecosystem. In embracing and fostering not just the look, but the very processes and functions which take place in natural aquatic systems is amazing to me. It's as simple as, is it as simple as you know, crushing some leaves, adding some coconut-based material, covering it with sand, and you have an instant tropical stream? No, of course not. There's no such magic bullet. You need to look at things sort of holistically, again, with an eye towards nutrient export and long-term maintenance. For those of you who are adventurous, experimental, diligent, and otherwise engaged with managing and observing your aquariums, I think this process offers amazing possibilities. Not only will you have some, you know, gain some fascinating insights and benefits of an onboard nutrient export or environmental enrichment system, you'll also get the aesthetics, because we like a good-looking tank, aesthetics of a more natural looking substrate as well and let's face it no matter how function first we feel that we are everybody likes a nice looking aquarium right so yeah so the best way to enrich for want of a better term to enrich your substrate is to add the botanical materials and sediments before you fill the tank up with water in the case of leaves bits of botanicals etc stuff like that you'd want to have boiled and steeped them previously so that they're rid of any surface you know contaminants and to assure that they're tissues are saturated enough to get them to sink immediately upon submersion. There's no set process for this because no one's really talked about it, right? Other than to mix these materials into the upper layers of the substrate as you add them. You'll just sort of know when you've achieved the look and texture that pleases you. Yeah, that's the aesthetic part. 
and take comfort in knowing that just about any amount of these materials that you're adding to your system will help accomplish that functional aspect. Once your substrate's in place, nature takes over and the materials develop that lovely patina of fungal growth, biofilms, and microbial colonization and start breaking down. Some may be moved about by the grazing activities of resident fishes or otherwise slowly redistributed around the aquarium. A literal active substrate, right? Yet something that's fascinating and beautiful for those who give it a shot. Now at this point, I have to admit that there are many hobbyists who will simply never find any sort of appeal whatsoever in a botanically enriched substrate. Dark and complex, filled with all sorts of stuff besides just sand. The so-called nature aquarium cult crowd, or the truly artistic aquascaping people, for example, will likely never approve of this idea because it looks dirty to them and because some of the aesthetic and management work is being ceded to nature. They need to be in total control. I get that. I admit, the simple practice of adding botanical stuff into our aquariums is not some high-concept thing. However, the impacts on the water chemistry and the overall aquatic environment, not to mention our fishes, are profound, they're fascinating, and, well, they're real. Being careful and taking the time to clean, prepare, and add botanicals to your aquarium in, measure, in a measured manner always yields a better outcome. Going slowly also gives you the opportunity to address any issues that you might have before they become critical, especially when you're experimenting with some of these ideas. It just makes sense to be patient. The rewards are so great. From a maintenance standpoint, it's pretty straightforward. You monitor your envi environmental parameters regularly and you conduct routine water exchanges, taking care not to siphon aggressively from the substrate. You simply don't want to disrupt the very processes within the substrate that you're trying to foster. And trust me, your fishes will spend a lot of time foraging among it. It's not going to be just sitting down there stagnating. Much like what occurs, you know, spontaneously in nature, the materials that we deliberately place on the bottom of the aquarium will become an active, integral part of the ecosystem. From a functional standpoint, substrates supplemented with a variety of botanical materials form that sort of intake, you know, refugium that we talked about before. And like so many things that we discuss here, I think that we don't know every answer to every bit of this. Some of it's a big experiment. That's part of the joy of this process, the sort of figuring out the why and how it works as you're enjoying the success. Playing with ideas like botanically supplemented substrates truly pushes the boundaries between what we do all the time in the hobby and those outer you know, regions where a few people have tread before. There's going to be challenges, there's going to be discoveries and rewards for taking that road less traveled. And that's part of the fun, isn't it? Stay creative, stay brave, stay curious, stay diligent, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.